back to our program as we continue to explore uh, principles of leadership and our case study of the uh, Amazon uh, company and the leadership principles from Amazon. Uh, Joe Whitefield, glad to be joined again uh, with my friend and uh, colleague, Rich Wonders. Rich, welcome back. Glad to be here, Joe. Um, we have been working our way through uh, these leadership principles, and in this episode, we're going to try to tackle three for you, uh, unpack three that uh, that really have a lot of linkages that we've been uh, want to do over the last uh, a few episodes. And so, let me just tell you what these are, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into them. We're going to look at some organizational uh, applications here. One is the hire and develop the best. That's the uh, first principle we're going to talk about: hire and develop the best. Obviously, talking about uh, new employees. Uh, the second is uh, insist on the highest standards, and uh, we'll talk about that, of course. And then the third one we have is, and I think this has a very interesting title to it, but this is the actual principle, have a backbone, disagree, and commit. And I think we'll spend probably a little more time on that third one. I think the first two, I think, become f- fairly self-evident, and, uh-huh. we'll, and we'll move through them pretty quickly. But I think this third one, Joe, is one that... Um, does become an, a, a unique concept for a lot of people. And in some ways, you know, people can look at their own organizations and say, well, well, well great, I think this is a super idea, but my organization is not necessarily uh, receptive and open to this idea, right? Well, so, that's a good tease. So we'll, we'll uh, start with these other ones as we, as we work our way to that one, because I think I, I agree with you. I think that one's going to have, uh, have some juice on it, right? So we begin with the hiring and developing the best. This is what the uh, principle says. It says, leaders raise the performance bar with every hire and promotion. They recognize exceptional talent and willingly move them through the organization. Leaders develop leaders and take seriously their role in coaching others. We work on behalf of our people to invent mechanisms for development like career choice. So that sounds like a specific uh, program there. But Again, hiring and developing the best. Hiring is, is essential for every organization. There's turnover. Uh, there's the need to hire for growth purposes. And, and so I hear there's a, there's a lot in the, in the business world about hiring the best, right? What is it? Let's, let's talk about what it means here. So it's, it's interesting because you've got several dynamics at play. If, if I look very specifically inside the ranks of Amazon, since we're using this as a case study, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and again, publicly available data, um, with, with the exception of my own personal employee rank where I fall, which which only matters in terms of of kind of of a, a relative idea of, of the pace of hiring. So um, Amazon has about 750,000 employees. Now, granted, a sizable portion of those work in fulfillment and distribution centers and delivery and things of that nature, and, mm-hmm. and that number can fluctuate seasonally. Uh, you know, as we've come, obviously come through the holiday season and, and and peak consumer purchasing, that number does tend to tend to fluctuate. But keep that in mind: seven hundred fifty thousand people. Um, I will I will have been with the company two years just after the first of the year. Um, in this two in that two years, over half of these seven hundred fifty thousand employees have been hired since I was hired. Now, stop and unpack that for just a minute. That means that in the last two years, um, Amazon has hired roughly 375,000 people, which is a pretty decent-sized Midwestern town. Mm-hmm. So the pace at which you are hiring in an economy in which there are not a lot of unemployed people. 
So in some ways, you think about this, since there's not many people out on the market, so how do you hire that many people and right. yet still have the high standards? Right. And, and you know what? That's a, that's a challenge. It really is. And, and as I was telling you off air, um, we won't unpack the, the entire hiring process that occurs here, right. but there is a specific role that occurs when you are hiring people. Again, I'll put to a side for a minute um, um, workers in a distribution fulfillment center. Um, but there's a specific role called a bar raiser. And okay. a bar raiser is there to um, help us ask the one litmus test question when we're interviewing somebody is, is this person better than 50% of the people that you have inside the organization? Which means statistically, do they raise the bar? And so um, you pointed out, as this title says, it's not just about hiring, which which that is a comment about hiring, but it's also about retaining and developing those things. Well, I think that's one of the key things, but I don't want to miss the point, what you just said, that, that you take the you take the standards, you know, when you literally talk about raising the bar, we, that, that's thrown around everywhere. But, but technically, to raise the bar says that, well, this person, are they in the top half, you know, greater than the 50% mark, uh, however you judge that. But do you, would you put them in the top half of the employee pool so that you're literally Correct. raising the bar? Correct. Now, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's significant. Correct. And so one of the things that, that when, I, when I first hired on, um, somebody told me, and, and it's proven to be true, is that um, we have, because we have such a high bar, we have very few false positives. Right. It's very hard to get in. Once you're in, there's usually a pretty high correlation between your ability to execute successfully in the roles that you're in. Um, admittedly, we do have a fair number of, of, of false negatives, meaning that we don't hire people who, in hindsight, you go, they probably could have done very well and they will do very well in their career and may succeed other places. So that's part of the trade-off. Right. And, and, but that leads into kind of this second one, which is which the is highest a, standards. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I want to I make one, one kind of observation, if I can, uh, because hiring for a lot of folks, a lot of folks listen to this, it's like, okay, we don't have... I mean, the, the human resource process is, is so in, you know uh, in charge or very much ingrained in, in, in our hiring process and so we do the best we can with the system that we have to work with which is fine that's not that doesn't uh, say anything about any person all it just says is okay this idea of hiring the best is we want to do that but we're we have our constraints right, right our system beyond that no matter no matter the hiring whether you can hire the top or, or, or wherever however you judge that we talked about developing and coaching them. I think this is something that everyone can relate to, and that is whomever you bring in, you have to be willing to develop them. Unre- unrealized potential is, is, is a great detriment to any organization. Would you, would you say so? Um, absolutely. And in fact, you know, one of the things that we, that we will tend to talk about is um, you, you ask people to be prepared and be willing to take on different assignments, different jobs, all as part of their development. You know, every year my boss asks me, look, think about what you would do um, if your job went away tomorrow. What do you want to do? Um, and and I, I do understand that you, you have the benefit of having opportunities when the company is growing as fast as it is 
obviously growth implies more opportunities and a chance for people to develop. But develop isn't always about changing jobs. Right. It's about it's about learning and being curious. It's yep. about sharpening your own skill sets, right? And yep. so it is as a leader, it's it, it is constantly coaching for improvement. Well, then that's I think that's the thing I wanted to to bring out because as we talk about leadership principles and these these are for leaders and whatever position you are if you're working with people if you have supervisory uh, uh, responsibilities in any organization how willing are you as a leader um, to coach people in other words it's a personal investment it's a personal professional investment in, in the development of others it, it, it I see that happening or not happening so often you hire for experience, and you think, okay, we've hired the right person, we're going to turn it over to them, and then we'll just see what happens. And yet the willingness to develop and, and the willingness to come in and learn, those kind of go hand in glove. Uh, so we'll and so let me say something about that because, okay. because as, as a leader, I think it's important, Joe, that we understand what, you're good, what we're good at and what we're not good at, yes. specifically as it relates to this topic, right? right? Okay, so let me tell you, early on I realized – where my limitations were on coaching. And let me be very specific. I I am not, it's not the best use of my talent and skills to take a fresh, green um, salesperson and try to teach them sales skills. Right. Where I am much better at is taking somebody who is really good and trying to get them to excellent. Trying to get that B student to an A or an A plus, right. not that early learner, right. up to a level of proficiency. So it's an organizational commitment, right? And so that because people have to be developed at all levels, right, to be uh, to, to to reach their potential and their potential not only for themselves but for the company, right? Because you want to, you you bring them in for their abilities, uh, and it's more than just talent. Talent is wonderful, I think, and I don't. Uh, but beyond talent is that ability to learn and to grow, and so that's an organizational commitment, so that so that they can progress and reach their potential. It, it does, it does. But 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 again, I want to make it specific though about this topic. For you as a leader, right. you and me as a leader, you may determine that you have people that report to you that you may not be as well positioned to coach as right. maybe one of your peers. That, that's what I was saying throughout the organization. Right. You, you, right. you don't take on the sole role for everybody's development from Correct. from the day they enter until they retire. Correct. It, it is more of an organizational approach. So Correct. That's, so that's, that's the organizational approach. Right. Good. Right. It, well, the next thing is insist on highest standards. Again, uh, sort of like that, uh, or maybe a lot like that, but it says here, insist on the highest standards. It says leaders have relentlessly high standards. Many people may think these standards are unreasonably high, Leaders are continually raising the bar and drive their teams to deliver high-quality products, services, and processes. Leaders ensure that defects do not get sent down the line and the problems are fixed so that they stay fixed. Boy, as an engineer, I love the idea of, of, of fixing problems so that they stay fixed. There's, there's, there's a few things that really jump out to me. That, yeah. that really jumps out to me is that let's fix it. Let's get this behind us. Let's. Uh, we know there's new opportunities tomorrow, new set of problems, but by... Uh, whatever it means, let's get on to a new set of problems. Well, right? interestingly enough, the, the one of the leadership principles that we haven't talked about um, that really comes into play here is this notion of ownership. Yep. Right. And and so what you just described implies that in in order to to, to kind of live out that highest standard and not be willing to pass this problem on to somebody else, you have to own it. You can't say that's not my job. You have to see a problem. You have to go fix the problem or 
you may not be the one to fix the problem, but you know the person that can fix the problem. And right. and you you get the problem taken care of, right? Or you get the opportunity fully vetted, whatever the issue is. And so there is this there is this relentless and we and I use that term very specifically, this relentless idea in this concept of you know what, keep raising the bar, insist on more, and is good good enough? Right. And and that's how you push the organizational boundaries. That's how you push your own personal boundaries. That's how you improve as a leader. That's how you help your teams improve. Now, obviously, there is a fine line between when you start to break the mechanism, right? You, you, right. you ask for too much out of an individual or out of a team or out of an organization, right? So so there, there is a line that you have to walk there. But there is this notion of just being relentlessly pursuing higher standards and raising the bar. Well, the practical sense, again, you know, as, you're, as you're rightfully bringing in the sense of ownership, uh, again, a lot of these things aren't new. Just the way they're phrased and the way they're, the way they're uh, featured and put together maybe gives you a new, a new perspective on them, you know, on a lot of these principles. But I, I love the simplicity you know, that defects do not get sent down the line. Problems are fixed and they stay fixed. Again, as an engineer, that just... I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna shamelessly steal that I'm sure in some way, shape, or form because that's it. the quality about what we're doing, doing it right the first time. You know that kind of thing. The inefficiencies that go with having to circle back and keep addressing the same problem over and over and over again. So I think that that really resonates in a, in a very practical, practical sense. And I think that's a good way to uh, to describe again ownership, as you're saying. If you owned it, you know, if, you know, if it, if you literally owned it, then this is this is how you would want to deal with it. And I think that's a very uh, important. And, and look, uh, uh, raising the bar and insisting on the highest standards is a is a high price to pay for all of us. I mean, I think about think about the applicability of that in an athletic sense. Think about how somebody like a Michael Jordan would practice and what he would do and the regiment that he would put him through that was so vastly different than what other people would do. Yes, he had natural, he had the innate ability. He had a talents that he was born with that you and I weren't born with. But he also honed those by insisting on a higher standards and the way that he prepared himself and sure. practiced. And, and, in, and in music, there is this notion of you don't practice till you get it right. You practice till you can't get it wrong. And those are very different things because practice till you get it right assumes that the first time I play it right, I'm done. Right. No. It means yeah. now you repeat that till it becomes ingrained. Well, in. that reminds me when I was training for a marathon way back in the day. Uh, and, and, I, and I trained, and of course, 26.2 miles. But I never ran 26.2 miles until the day of the marathon because the day I did it, was the day I was going to do it. I was right. not going to run a marathon and train for the marathon. That was going to be the peak. So, again, very different mindset that says I'm going to do it. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't that committed. Is my point. I right. wasn't as committed as runners who can run them you right. know, over and over again. It was. It was a pinnacle. I was going to do it, and, and I did it. And, and you'll find this uh, 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 interesting. I haven't done it since. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but very good. Very good insight there. Very uh, really really good things to think about. Let's talk about the one we said earlier on that was going to be uh, uh, perhaps uh, very interesting, maybe a little bit different. Have backbone, disagree, and commit. That's actually what it says, and here's the text. It says, leaders are obligated to respectfully challenge decisions when they disagree, even when doing so is uncomfortable or exhausting. Leaders have conviction and are tenacious. They do not compromise for the sake of social cohesion. Once a decision is determined... 
they commit holy. So a lot of a lot of ideas that are woven together under that under that heading. So uh, tackle a part of that for me. Yeah. So think about so so let's kind of walk through these two that we've talked about up to this point. If you're focused on hiring people that raise the bar, right. that are exceptional talent, and you're then focused on developing those people so that they hone their skill sets, they push their boundaries, right. and now you have gotten them to begin to work and live to a higher standard where they insist on not passing on defects. They insist on raising the bar. For the organization. For the right. organization. And the organizational component. So right. now so now you have a set of individuals that are that are talented, they're educated, they're motivated, they have expertise. Why would you ever ask them to park their opinions at the door? Right. The idea is is that is that now you have really smart people and if they see things that are happening organizationally that their experience, their knowledge and their diving deep has shown them may not be the best outcome, you actually want them to disagree in those decisions. Now, again, there is a larger ecosystem at play here because organizationally that the, the, the company, the organization has to be willing to be challenged on decisions. And just like anything, there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Right. But the expectation inside the place where we're doing the case study of Amazon is that we expect that across the board. We expect when people see a decision that they're able to challenge it up to the most senior levels. I will give you a great example of this because he uses this, uh, and, I, and I've seen him use it. Um, but Jeff Bezos, who is the, who is the founder and CEO of, of, of Amazon, um, talks about one of the shows on Amazon Video, on, on Prime Video, one of the original shows, that after the first or second season, he had decided uh, to cancel the show. Right. And um, the, the the producers, the people that were the, the brains behind the show, obviously they had a very different perspective, and they disagreed. So they came to see Jeff in, in his office. Now understand, mind you now, you're you're now walking into the CEO's office and telling him that this decision that you made is, is, is really not right. right. And, and Jeff will talk... Jeff, as he describes this, he says, I looked around the room and I counted the number of Emmys that were in the room and I didn't have any of them. Right. And so his point was, is these are people that know this subject much better than me. They are experts here. I pay them to do things that I can't do. Why would I not respect when they push back on my decision? Well, what a challenging leadership position. So for our listeners who hear this, Again, to be in a leadership position, one, you have to model that behavior. And right when you're talking about the right. founder and CEO that willing to model that behavior, you're not going to get it throughout the ranks if you don't model it, right? So the first thing as a leader is your willingness to subject yourself to input from others, right? And right. That's, and that's a, a lot of what this is about. But boy, what an environment that has to be. Let me ask you this, and, and we haven't talked about this, but is there any 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 training? Is there any, um, uh, you know, any input from folks that say, okay, you can challenge somebody or you can bring it, bring out something, but you really need to know how to phrase it. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, right. if you're going to bring up something negative or you're going to bring up something that's challenging or you're going to bring it, you can't do it in a, in a disagreeable, know-it-all kind of a, you know, kind of a, what you know what I'm saying? I mean, because, right. boy, that, I could just imagine, I mean, I, I know this environment is encouraging this kind of dialogue, but 
that could be real negative, really. Look, I think it's it? It, yes. It's a great way to phrase it. It's a great way to phrase the question because, like anything you do the first time, yeah. Um, I, I find it's most effective to reach out to those around you who have done this before, mm-hmm. right? And ask them, maybe you role play it. Maybe you say, if I'm going to yes. do this via an email, what would you think of this? Right. Right. Boy, perfect example. Right. You talk about communication, and it could, whether it's through email or, t- I mean, we, we oftentimes, you know, the motive, the intent, the input, you know, sometimes we read into things. So again, it, it, it would, you'd have to be really hone some communication in, skills, in, both in, en- in an engineering uh, term, Joe, this is you know, measure twice, cut once. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing. It's it's rely on your peers. Rely on your boss. Assuming if it's not your boss, maybe it's your boss's boss that you're going to push back on. That's when you go back and say, okay, what's the most effective way to do this? Right? right? Um, and, and again, when the culture, when leaders model that and and... The other side of that story is um, the CEO for um, Amazon Web Services works directly for Jeff and has told the story of, of, you know, a rather lengthy disagree and commit session that he had with his boss and after about 45 minutes was pretty much told, um, uh, can we move on to the commit portion of the program now, right? <laughs> right? So, so, so you, you, you know, you'll know... The more you deal with somebody, you know, when you're kind of at the line, end of the line of, okay, so let's let's move on past the disagree piece and let's go to the commit piece, right? right? Um, but the culture has to be there. And as a leader, the, the, the best thing you can do is model that behavior for your team, right? Model that behavior that says, look, you know what? Here's what we're thinking. Here's why we're thinking it. And this comes down to communication. The more you communicate the ideas, the direction and, and, and you arm your people, you arm your teams with with that knowledge. If they want to come back and challenge it, okay. But then you model that in a respectful way and how it's done. And, and, and again, you coach your team to say, if you haven't done this before, talk to those that have and figure out what's the right way to do it. But, yeah, this is a tricky one, but it's a very interesting one because when done right, it's it, it helps the employee feel like their voice is being heard but it also helps you get to a better outcome because at the end of the day, if you're a truth seeker and you want the right answer, you may not always possess the right answer. Well, I can see now why you wanted to talk about this one uh, with uh, assisting on high standards and also in, in not only hiring but developing your people because, you, again, the ability to, to, to have this environment, you have to have all those uh, in cohesion. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, your attention on this one. Hopefully you'll join us for the uh, next episode as we tackle a few more of these principles.